Today, we bring you part two of Tales from the Tavern, our live event recorded at the Great Old English Pub in Albany, New York. In this episode, you'll hear us talk to live audience members about the stories from their childhood and around the region. All right. So, does anybody want to share a story with us? Is anybody feeling like they want to... We love to hear your Has anybody drank too? enough? Tell a bit of lore, <laughs> uh, your favorite ghost story, anything? I have a story that's not local, though. No, yes, you this is Jim Lavoulis, by the way, everybody, the assistant news producer or news director at WAMC. Well, first off, is anybody a fan of the show Supernatural? Is that, okay, so that's kind of what, once, once before these guys started doing what they're doing, I love that show. Um, and I still do, and I probably watch it too much. Um, I'm originally from Buffalo, so uh, I grew up there, and I'm not sure, has anybody ever heard of Ping, Pigman Road? Yes. Pigman Road, okay. So it's kind of, I mean, I guess it's kind of like a local lore thing. And uh, I'm from a small town, and this is, the town is called Angola, and um, where Pigman Road is. And so when I was a teenager, it's in high school, it's Buffalo, it's cold, there's nothing to do. <laughs> so you're like, okay, let's, what, what can we do? And my mom worked in Angola, and just a couple roads away, there was this old, railroad bridge that the story was I've heard a couple stories the story that I was told was that there was an there was a train crash I think in the late 1800s and one of the workers on the train he survived but was disfigured he was burned his face was burned so much that his face actually looked like a pig so story goes on that he then he lived around the tracks as well. He was a railroad worker, and um, he would just terrorize these little kids. And so years go by, and people started saying, you know, we keep on seeing the pig man out in the woods. So me and a couple of my buddies were like, okay, let's go check this out, because the thing is, you're supposed to go and drive underneath the bridge, shut your car off, honk three times, <laughs> and you will hear a train come. Now, so we go, and it's the, the, bridge, the, the bridge is so narrow that, okay, you can only go one way. So, again, I preface it by I watched a lot of Supernatural. I was like, <laughs> let's drive in, turn around, we'll be faced outward once we'll be, we'll be ready to go if we need to gas it, Okay. <laughs> So, of course, we go down this dark road, no street lights, which is fine. We're from a farming town, so it's like, okay, this is not a big deal, guys. We're okay, okay, we're all right. And so we turn around, and of course, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it was kids that did it that, you know, crossed out the speed limit sign with spray paint and everything like that. We're like, okay, that's, that's still normal, you know, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> then we see, like, this old shack in the middle of the woods. Like, okay weird but not not terrible not terrible so we turn around and we pull underneath the bridge we stop and my friend goes to turn off the car i go again i watched a lot of supernatural i go do not can we not turn off the car guys can we not because it's not gonna start back up okay it's not gonna let's 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 turn off the lights okay let's just turn off the lights okay so we turn off the lights and so we turn off the light. I'm getting a little bit of chills right now. We turn off the lights, and we're like, okay, let's, let's start honking. And right before my buddy goes to honk, he goes, 
I see another one of my friends start to open up his door. I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you doing opening up doors? He's like, I'm just going to get this. There's this black cat right outside the... And I'm like, and I'm like, all right. Is, I'm like checking to make sure that the engine is still, you know, the RPMs are still there. We're still, I'm like, oh, gosh. I'm like, all right, what we got here? Let's honk the horn three times. Lock the doors, though. Don't, oh, don't let a cat in here. Yeah. So we honk the horn three times, and we don't hear anything. For a little while. And then we just start hearing this faint noise. And I swear it's getting louder and louder. And this bridge, this overpass, is no longer than this table. I mean, so if an actual train was going over it, this thing would be shaking. And so as it's getting, you kind of hear like a strong wind and like it's getting louder and louder. And I preface this, too, with I was partially deaf when I was a kid, so my ears are very sensitive. So if I was near a train, an actual train, (laughs) it would be nearly deafening to me. And so it just keeps getting louder and louder and louder. Everybody's just looking at each other. And then we start seeing lights above us, lights above us. And we're like, are you kidding? Like, is this an actual... Is, it, is this an actual train that's going by? And we just timed it terribly. And we're, so my friend, we just all kind of started screaming, and we just gunned it. And I turned around, nothing. Nothing on the bridge at all. And that was basically the last we've ever talked about it until now. So hopefully, I'm not sure if they're out telling the story elsewhere. But So that was my experience with Pigman Road. And uh, How then, old were you? I was probably like 16 or something like that. So, yeah, definitely that like middle, you know, that teenager, let's go out, let's go drive somewhere. Yeah, let's go and do something really dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think we were pretty smart. We didn't turn off the vehicle. Yeah. We were facing the right way. You didn't let you the didn't cat take in. The cat yeah, in. we didn't let the cat in. So, if I don't I'm know what happened to the cat. If I'm going to go legend tripping, I'm going with you yeah. because you, you know how to like, you know, extricate yourself from <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah, we did take some precautions. So, that's my story. And uh, if you ever go to Buffalo, I would check out Pigman Road and just turn around, face the right way, leave the car running. I'm, I'm curious. Oh, sorry. I'm curious if to anybody here knows. There's actually a, a, a very similar legend to that in um, Scotia. Does anybody know that one? Has anybody ever heard that one? There's a, I, I don't know the, official, the full story, but it's a road. Oh, it's it's a, one of the, the side streets off of Route 5 heading between Scotia and Amsterdam. And the way I was told the story is that um, it's very similar. You go over a set of train tracks. As you do, everyone lifts their feet off the ground of the car. You get to the other side. And um, the legend is that uh, there was a a woman who was walking down the street who had been hit by a drunk driver. And and then um, after that, her husband sat on the side of the road with a shotgun and pointed it at any car. You've heard this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pointed it at any car that drove by. And then he was hit and killed by a drunk driver. So the rule, the, 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 the legend is if you drive down this road, lift your feet off the ground, and I think you have to touch metal in the car as you're going over these train tracks. On the other side of the train tracks, the man will manifest and point at you as your car drives by down this desolate road in, in Glenville. So wow. go try it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Report back. Yes. Oh, I'm not going Jim, you can try it. I'm not going to. Yeah. <laughs> no cats, though. No cats. Yeah, no cats. Okay, what, no was cats. there really a cat? Did you see Yeah, I saw the cat. cat. I saw the cat. I, don't, I had no idea where this cat came from. Again, I had no idea. Maybe that rundown check. 
That, yeah, yeah Professor McGonagall. Transfigured <laughs> this Professor is, McGonagall. This is maybe to a little bit of, the, of history and how um, old practices can kind of spook us a little, and you guys might have experienced this. I uh, did a story on the Berkshire Museum. They had a uh, kind of like a spooky, around Halloween time, they wanted to put together an exhibit of things that scare us and why. And so I go there, you know, nothing's, you know, really open yet, and I'm chatting with the uh, the curator, and I mean, they had like some, you know, snake, like fake snakes and stuff. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then he's like, hey, take a look at that photograph there. He's like, it's like, what do you, what, what looks wrong with that? I was like, well, first off, I mean, everybody looks fake. It's really, really old. He goes, yeah, what about the one on the right there? I'm like, yeah, that person looks a little bit off. He goes, yeah, I mean, photographs cost so much back then that if a if a child had died before the photograph was taken, that might be the only photograph, so they would keep them alive and literally prop them up yep, standing yep. there next to their presumably living brothers and sisters. And the multitude of photographs that they had in their collection, you know, this wasn't, they didn't, the funny thing about this uh, exhibit was they just went into their own collections to find this stuff. They weren't like, oh, let's go see if we can find creepy stuff from other places. This was just normal photographs that they had gotten from people in the area. So for years and years, that was a common practice, which mm-hmm. yeah, and it wasn't is terrifying children. now. Yeah, it was, it was anybody. This, was, this could be the only photograph that could ever be taken. So it wasn't just children. You'll see it with grandpa or, you know, I mean, it's, it was very, very common. Yeah, yeah and that, I mean, that obviously spooked me a little bit. You uh-huh. know, I could never get beyond that. Yeah. part of the exhibit but yeah. <laughs> yeah thank goodness we have photoshop today yeah yes. right makes all the difference yeah. it really all the does difference. Or, or a similar i don't want to be you know a brandist here, but a similar you know photo, because photo editing, editing software. software right because when you take picture of my corpse paul i want you to photoshop me <laughs> some really attractive corpse <laughs> do that for me it'd be great this is mave <laughs> with brian gosling yes <laughs> love it well thank you so much jim that yes. was a that was a Anybody else? Anybody else? Come up. We won't bite. You know you have stories. Yeah. That you're... Oh, oh yeah, here we go. go. Here we go. Hold on. Come on up. Or, well... I can turn around. It's okay. okay. Um, on a slightly less somber, creepy note, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, my father's father passed away when I was about four and a half years old. So I never really had that many memories of him. I mean, I'm sure I, I did stuff with him, but I, I can't... I couldn't visualize what he looked like. I had no clue, nothing... Um, we moved into the house that I ended up growing up in about seven, seven and a half years old in 1987. Um, and I remember this one night waking up, walking down the hall, out to get a drink. And in the dining room, living room area, there is the fridge. And immediately, if you turn 180 degrees around, the counter comes out into sort of a breakfast bar, a little area where you can put chairs and so forth up. Got out there, and there's this guy. Now, mind you, we never used this breakfast bar because there's always, my mother had 15 million gadgets. She had a bread maker and all, all that kind of stuff. There was no place to sit at this breakfast bar. So I get out there, and it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm, case in point. Um, <laughs> and um, there's this gentleman there. And mind you, I knew nothing about what happened to my grandfather other than that he likely had a heart attack, and he was found at the community center in my grandparents' my parents' hometown. Um... And he told me, of all things, I'm sorry I had to leave you. My, I had a problem with my breathing, and it made my heart hurt. Okay, didn't think anything of this. Knew nothing 
have anything other than a heart attack. Come to find out years later, my father and likely my grandfather both had sleep apnea. And I came up to find, a couple years later, we were down at my grandmother's house, and I'm like, hey, I recognize that guy. They're like, yeah, that's your grandfather. I'm like, oh. (laughs) So I don't know if anybody knows about sleep apnea much, but it's a condition where, for some reason, um, your tongue or other similar blocks off your throat so you have trouble breathing. And because of that, you stop breathing numerous times an hour. And when that happens, it puts stress on all the rest of your system, including your heart. That is a profound story, yeah. That close, sorry. You hear a lot of... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, there's... I've never had anything that's as powerful as those, but I've had things where I've gone into, like... Everyone has had the experience where they turn off the lights in their house and they run it, you know, throw themselves under the covers and just say, okay, we're good, and then wait (laughs) till they pass out. Um, I remember as a child, and that's the thing we talked about how children are you know more susceptible to the slightly more forces of the unknown. Yes. than your yeah. average adult yeah. and I just remember multiple times going up into my attic where my parents always uh, joked about the Sandman being up there and this is before you know Neil Gaiman's <laughs> Who's the, Sandman? the Sandman <laughs> and I just remember going up there and just feeling like there was something in the corner of my attic now my house is it's like three different additions to make it like it was originally a garage and then a, an addition and another addition that's like dates back to the 1930s or 40s. So, I mean, obviously something could have happened in there. And I just remember every time going in the attic, just feeling there's something over in that one corner that I just wouldn't go to yeah. for the life of me. I never felt it in my bedroom because of a small house. I originally slept in the same room as my parents till I was like five. <laughs> so it was, I just remember feeling that always in my attic, every yeah. time. The, um, the first ghost story I was ever told, um, and again, that's from my father, because this is how he was engaging, but this, uh, yeah, I guess this ends up having an Albany history bent as well, but it was from one of his best friends. And his best friend uh, had a little boy, and they lived in an older house in Albany. And they would, he would hear the little boy talk to his imaginary friend, and he would ask him what his imaginary friend was like. And a lot of times for, let's say, you know, the, the little boy was like eight or nine, or maybe even younger than that, but usually an imaginary friend for a little boy is like, it's a purple dinosaur, or he's a superhero. And he would say, well, his name is Lou, he's bald, and he's got glasses, and he's Jewish. And he was like, okay. But he would drive him around, and he would always talk to Lou. And Lou would point to the, you know, would tell the little boy, like, oh, that's where Lou's kids used to play. And he'd point to Washington Park. And then uh, the downtown SUNY campus, he points, and that's where the orphans are buried. And he's like... Okay, so, you know, my father's friend does not want to encourage necessarily because, of course, when you, you know, if anyone has kids, if you have that over the top reaction, well, then the kid's going to talk about dead orphans forever, right? Because you got a reaction out of mom or dad. So he's like, mm hmm. But he goes to my father, who was the historian, he goes, you know anything about a cemetery? by the downtown SUNY campus. My dad's like, no, but let's find out. And he pulls out (laughs) all of these old maps. And sure enough, around that area of the downtown SUNY campus, there was an orphanage and there was a cemetery. (laughs) 
So he's really creeped out by this, but again, he's trying to be a good parent and not, you know, feeding into this necessarily. And uh, he goes by City Hall one day, and somebody comes out. He sees the friend, and they haven't seen each other in a while. They said, oh, how you doing? That's great. And where are you living? And he gives his address in Albany. And the guy just ran into goes, oh, you live in Lou's house. <laughs> <laughs> can, uh, can you describe Lou? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a, a bald guy with glasses, and his family was, there was a Jewish family who lived on the street. So, But that was one that, you know, is, that was probably the first ghost story I ever heard with people that I knew and that we had evidence mm-hmm. from where this kid was pointing. Like, why would that little kid know about that cemetery? <laughs> Yeah, your cemeteries in Albany have, have been an interesting topic. Well, that's, uh, we don't that's, let the dead rest in that, peace. That, that, I was just going to say, that's one of the reasons we think this city is as haunted as it is. If you think about it, um, not a lot of people realize, you know, when you're attending the Tulip Festival or whatever, but, the, you know, if, when you're in Washington Park, that used to be a cemetery. That was the city burial ground. Yeah. There were, what, 25, uh, 40,000 40, 40, bodies. bodies. I'm sorry, 40,000 <laughs> bodies buried there. Uh, they were they're they're not there anymore. We don't we'll, we don't think. <laughs> so um, that's but, the problem. Is is uh, we do move these cemeteries. Yes. and it's we do tend to find coffins left over, yeah. gravestones left over. That's that's one of my 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 one of our original. <laughs> we are the original Albany ghost story, but one of the original Albany ghost or original ghost stories. Say that six <laughs> times fast. Um, trademark. Trademark <laughs> um, is actually up on Tenbrock Street, so just two blocks up the road here. Um, and it was uh, of a woman who lived uh, across from Van Rensselaer Park, which if you've ever, if you've ever driven down Tenbrock Street, there's the church, St. Joseph's Church, the mansion, and then there's a park in between them. Um, and the, uh, the woman had a house across from the park, and she was remodeling her stairs, the front steps of the house. And when she had the stairs taken out, she realized that the, on the back of the, the stone of the sidewalk in front of her house was carved the grave of a 10-year-old boy. And sure enough, when, when they did some investigating, they found out that, the, that what is now Van Rensselaer Park used to be a cemetery. And when they, got, when they moved it, they took the gravestones and used them to make the sidewalk on Tenbrock Street. So <laughs> oh, okay. not only did you move the bodies, but then you caused people to constantly walk on their headstones. So, you know, it's What's the, that line at the end of Poltergeist? <laughs> you moved the stones but left the bodies. <laughs> Other way around this other case, around. but still, you know, either way. It's also a fascinating thing, too. I mean, you talk about, like, you know, the end of that movie Poltergeist when, you know, you move the stones, but you left the bodies, and the bodies, the, the whatever the essence of the bodies mm-hmm. is left, and, you know, speaking of supernatural, um, is kind of the haunting essence. But in this case, the bodies actually were moved, yeah. but it's kind of a, a question of, like, you know, not, like you said, not letting the dead rest, yeah. like just making, give, like setting this restless feeling about yeah. the city that contributes to all the energies that might you know, manifest themselves Absolutely. the way they do, yeah. you know, in the stories that we've heard. So, yeah. and, and, I mean, think about just the, the fact, like, think about the city's probably most prominent landmark, up the Empire State Plaza. That used to be an entire neighborhood demolished. So who knows, you know, what got bar- paved over, buried underneath that area when that was built. Did the, when they were redoing Delaware Avenue, uh, yeah. when was that, 10 years ago maybe at this point? Yeah. Uh, and they found the coffins buried underneath uh, one of the side streets near the near the Spectrum Theater. You know, again, wasn't they? They had a parking uh, the parking garage that they just built actually down the street. Didn't they find a whole distillery down there? Oh, right yeah, there. yeah, yep. right there. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that, that one right there. <laughs> that yeah, we're just outside right the window. There. Yeah, we found the old rum distillery. Yeah. Uh, at the time, Albany rum was not very good though because yeah. our barrels were made with pine. Mm. Mm. 
sappy, but Albany Distilling Company <laughs> down the way, they have refined the recipe. Yeah. We are no longer using pine barrels. But we did discover that know. from there. Yeah, good to know. <laughs> All right. Fact. <laughs> what is the, the recipe for, for Albany bathtub gin? What is it you... Put a bunch of stuff in the tub, and when an egg can float on the top, it's no, done. No, that's or how you what? make the rum. The rum, I'm sorry. Okay. That's the real one. That you would have to that's a real recipe, that's right? That's the, yeah. real, the real rum recipe. Yeah, you had to float an egg on top, <laughs> but the bathtub gin, it was if you, and that's, you know, during Prohibition, you made it in the bathtub, and it's like you had to set it on fire, and if it burned green, don't drink it. <laughs> but if it was blue, I think it was okay. I think that was the, the way, because otherwise you got with a gut rot, or, right? Yeah, something tells me it would never grow green, though, so they would always just drink it. That's so. true, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not a chemist, but what would make it glow I, green? I'm sure there's some sort of... Ca- <laughs> yeah. Right. Something I mean, you're not supposed to... I mean, drink. keep in mind, you're making it in a bathtub mm-hmm. to begin Tr- with. Correct, so, yes. You know, I don't know if they were... <laughs> keep an eye on there's the There's a lot of things wrong with that. Situation, <laughs> but, yeah. Anyways, anybody uh, else want to yeah. share? We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, please. Oh, and say your name, too, or, you know, however much of your name you'd like to divulge. And where you're from. <laughs> I know who you are. There we go. I'm sure. Is that working? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. Uh, so my name's Barbara, um, and I, uh, I work at the Albany Institute of History and Art. Um, um, and I feel like I should preface this by saying, please don't come asking our front desk person about the ghost stories after this. My director will kill me. Um, <laughs> um, but um, for those of you who haven't been to the Albany Institute, um, part of our space and most of the offices now are what is in the old Rice Mansion that was owned by the Rice family. Um, and then the museum building itself was built in like 1907. Um, and I've, I've heard most of this stuff secondhand but there's quite a lot floating around. Um, there's supposedly a shadow figure in the Rice House um, that our security guard sees rather frequently uh, when she's closing up for the night, when she goes to do her rounds. And she gets more annoyed by, annoyed by it than anything else now because that means she has to go back and turn on all the lights <laughs> and make sure that there's no one actually there. Um, but we also have two mummies um, and uh, we have people on occasion reporting that they just get very weird vibes uh, in the Egypt room. Um, but my two favorite stories, again, come secondhand from our building and grounds guy um, who told them to our security guard. He won't actually talk about them to anybody <laughs> else, of course. Um, but um, when we had the 50 objects exhibit last year... Um, we constantly had problems with lights blowing out. And among the pieces that we had in the, that exhibit were Elmer Ellsworth's coat. Um, for people who don't know who he is, he was um, the first uh, casualty of the Civil War. And he was actually from, I think, Manance. And the New York State Military Museum has his coat. And they loaned it to us for that exhibit. And the coat still has the bullet holes and the blood stains. Um, and so, you know, among other things, that was in that exhibit. Um, so, again, trouble with the lights blowing out. Um, but our building and grounds guy always comes in really early on Sundays. Uh, the museum doesn't open until noon on Sundays. And one day during the winter, he was mopping the floor in the atrium, you know, cleaning up all the salt and that. And he finished mopping and went and put, you know, his bucket and supplies away and comes back out. And there are footprints in the atrium going from, like, the stairs to the front door. And he, I don't think he called the police, but he was very close because he legitimately thought someone broke into the building. Wow. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so 
So those are the Institute stories. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the uh, Albany Institute is the second oldest in the United States? Yes, right? that's correct. And the oldest in Albany. So if yes. you haven't been... 1791. So if you haven't been, you should absolutely go. It's one of my favorite museums, and it's really a local treasure. Well, in that, in I'm oh, sorry, I didn't mean to yeah, cut you off. No. But that brings up a, a kind of interesting point because mm-hmm. it is said that spirits can leave the places that they mm-hmm. inhabit. So you know, it, it makes me think, like you know, does when you when you take this object that was mm-hmm. has been someplace for many many years mm-hmm. and move it, does the spirit that is attached mm-hmm. to it go with it? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's. They pontificate yeah. a lot in Supernatural about that, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a, a so everyone's staring at the mirror now. <laughs> Actually, so that would. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look directly at it. I feel like the next time I'm going to be here, Mark will have covered all the mirrors. <laughs> They'll just be gone. <laughs> They'll just be gone. We remove all the mirrors. <laughs> Uh, there's a actually that was one of the pub stories we heard um, from Nat. We won't say his last name right now, but. Well, okay, don't worry. But he was, uh, he, the Silver Fox Salvage, oh, uh, yeah, what yeah. they do is they, whenever there's an old building in Albany, uh, they will salvage things like mantelpieces, window frames, so people, when they're restoring their homes, can oh. get things of the era. And he, he's, a lo- he's an historian, he loves Albany history, and he lives in Colony. And so he's <laughs> like, I want a piece of Albany history. And he says, I, this is probably the oldest thing in the whole neighborhood. And he gets this mantelpiece, and he's trying to restore the mantelpiece. And he's got a little girl. And all of a sudden, the little girl, every night, would wake up terrified. There was somebody here. There's somebody out to get us. Absolutely terrified. And he couldn't figure out what the source of it was. And then one day he's working on that mantle, slips out of his hand, it cracks. And he never had a problem with his little girl ever again. And he kept wondering, what did I bring home? <laughs> you know? That's why I won't go antiquing. Yeah, that's, that's the reason why you don't go antiquing. It's true, it's true. Um, there's, a, there's another story um, that was, th- it's the same, it's actually the same person at RPI. Um, this doesn't have to do with an object. This is this is said. So it's I've heard it said also that sometimes, when a spirit is very familiar with a person, it can sometimes follow them to you know home or something like that. Um, so she, the story was, and I'll, I'll try and do the abridged version here. She um, was having some, we'll say, interactions during the day with what she thought was a spirit playing around with one of the thermostats in West Hall. Um, and it was, you know, turning it up, and she would turn it down, and turning it up, and turn it down. So, it, and she got really frustrated with it. And she said she went home that night, um, and she lives out in kind of rural Rensselaer County, and her nearest neighbor is, you know, half a mile away. And she said she's sitting in her living room, and all of a sudden she hears this like blaring saxophone music coming from somewhere, and she's thinking. You know, why are my neighbors blaring Kenny G in the middle of the night? What's going on? Um, So she runs over to the window and, you know, opens it up thinking she's going to hear this music coming from outside. And sure enough, it was actually coming from a a grate in the floor that led down to the basement that was underneath the window. So she said, with all my courage I could, I grabbed my cell phone, ran out of the house, dialed 911, and locked myself in my car. Um, she said as the, the state police pulled into the driveway, all of the lights in her um, garage turned on all at the same time. The poli- yeah, the police entered the garage first. No one. They went into the um, basement, and they found 
her roommate's saxophone sitting out on the, on the counter in the basement with the case open. So our theory, and again, we, we, Maeve and I like to create theories about all this stuff. So our theory is that you know, West Hall at RPI is home to um, part home to the arts department at RPI, and there's practice rooms, and some of the musical groups rehearse there. So if there was a spirit, a musical spirit in the building that got familiar with her and followed her, maybe was playing around with a the thermostat that day and then followed her home that night. So either that, or it was a criminal who likes to leave his mark by playing, by playing the music. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was Kenny G himself. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Kenny G himself. We call him that's how he advertised for his new album. He breaks <laughs> yeah, yeah. into your house and plays that's the saxophone in the basement. Yes. We had, we had called him the serial saxophonist. The yes, last that's right. Yeah. That story. yeah, that's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. Anybody else? Anybody? Uh, come on up. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah come, come, okay. there we go. come on up. Stand up. Uh, it's okay. There you go. No, no, however you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> so um, has anybody ever been on the receiving end of a ghost story as it's happening? Um, it's, an, it's an interesting thing because it's a, it's a very... 2000s phenomenon, you know, because we have the technology and they interfere with the technology. So um, over the summer, my girlfriend works for her mom and they, and they clean uh, residential spaces. Um, and so one day I get this text and it's like, hey, this place doesn't feel right. I'm like, <laughs> oh, should I, should I drive there or something? She's like, no, no, it's cool. Don't worry. I'm like, all right. And she's like, yeah, the guy was like, my dog never barks, but he's barking a lot. I'm like, okay, and what do you want me to do? She's like, oh, it's fine, don't worry. I'm like, okay, um, I'll just chill here, I guess. <laughs> and uh, so she's like, yeah, like, the doors on the rooms, they, like, keep closing, and, like, I'm not near them. And, yeah, this is, like, getting really bizarre. And I'm like, I don't know. Do you want to just, like, leave? Do you want to just, like, well, no, like, I, I need the money, so, like, I'm going to clean the house. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, like, you need your life, too. So like, let's try to hurry up, I guess. So I'm like, man, like, should I do something? Like, like what can I do, you know? I, I, I guess she was in Burnt Hills, and I live in Albany, so I was like, I mean, it's not that far. I guess I could drive. And she's like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, the dog keeps barking and the doors keep closing, but, like, I'm almost done, so I'm going to leave. And I was like, okay, good. And, and then she's like, yeah, like, I just left. I'm fine. Everything's cool. And I'm like, okay. Like, so we go and meet up. And um, she pulls her phone out of her pocket to, like, do something. And um, there's, uh, it's open to Snapchat, very millennial. <laughs> and um, and uh, the, Ooh, picture? The, the picture on it is, uh, it's just orbs, and it says, knock, knock, knock. And like, what? you know, okay, sure, like maybe your phone went off in your pocket. Maybe it took a picture. Maybe there was a flash. But to write, knock, 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 I don't know about that. That seems a little bit sus to me um and and you know the final bit that i'll leave you with is you know why why not instagram why not why not why why not regular photo app why not messenger well yeah and it didn't spell it correctly either so it was an illiterate ghost old english old english Um, (laughs) why snapchat well the logo is, is a, a ghost. ghost. Oh, oh my, my god. god. <laughs> Thank That's you. That's crazy. Thank we you. Had a, we had another uh, Oh, can I get your What was your name? 
Noah. Okay, thank you so much, Noah. Uh, thank you, Noah. Thank you. You know, a little a fun fact uh, about Snapchat that uh, my mother and I recently learned. <laughs> Snapchat kills your phone battery. <laughs> Or not your phone battery. Your, well, it kills your phone battery, but it kills your data, too. Yeah. So if you're wondering why your cell phone plan is mysteriously large, it's because you've been using and, Snapchat. Uh, I don't think I'm going to use it now that I've heard that story, because I, I don't really need the ghost of uh, so Stephen Van Rensselaer or something getting me while I'm at work. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, that story was fascinating to me because of the the angle of it. Like yeah. precisely what he said when he came up was that I wasn't the one who was directly witnessing yeah. it, but I was hearing it as it happened. Yeah, yeah right. That's crazy. Yeah. And That's really cool. Just a little side note: um, should it, it is said that if a spirit is really truly bothering you, spirits don't want to bother humans. They don't really. They're just trying to interact with you, and sometimes you know we get scared. And if you actually say, "Stop it! You're you're bothering me. Go away," it's usually does because it's you know it's you can just picture this like ghost retreating. Like, yeah. But you know, otherwise you have to get the priest. <laughs> exactly, well, that's true. We did have that too. They're not all kind of these too. like malevolent like entities no, that you would see in a no. movie or something. The, some of them are, but a lot of them are yeah. just people there with unfinished business or something. Yeah. Exa- they, they, exactly. Mm-hmm. So. Now, is there anyone else? Uh, yeah, there, did we have another story? Yeah, come on come up. Come on up. Or down or, or over. Down. <laughs> over. Float over. Yes. Float like a ghost. Yeah, that's where I went with it. <laughs> I should say, these don't all have to be ghost stories either. Like, we've, we've uh, had some interesting tales of vampires and yes. aliens and things like that, too. So if you have anything along those lines, we love that, too. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to be talking about this. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, Don't give give a fake name. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Jen. Um, so I used to work at the Delaware branch of Albany Public Library, and that used to be a funeral home. And so my very first day there, I was talking to the beat cop there, and he told me a little story. I don't think it was just to scare me. I think this really happened. But one day, well, when you close up the library, you're supposed to turn off all the lights. There's a whole thing. And there are a few people that are doing it. It's not just one person. So everything gets done. Or someone notices that something does not get done. So lights always go off. Everything gets locked up. So he was driving by at 3 (laughs) a.m. There you go. See, it's a thing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And all the lights are on. So he goes into the library. He takes his gun out. He gets really scared all of a sudden. And he starts saying, is anyone here? Hello, hello. No response, but something just feels really, really wrong. And he ran out and left. <laughs> that was it. Didn't call for backup. He's just like, I'm out of here. Yep. Done. Huh. That's one of oh, our, our Tenbrook, one of our Tenbrook stories is very similar. Uh, and my cousin was an Albany police officer. And he talked about, uh, and he didn't know I told ghost stories. So he didn't know. And he tells me this without knowing uh, that I know of this woman in white, that this woman in white has been seen in the window of Tenbrook for generations. Neighbors report her, guests report her. And there was some police officers who were doing their round and their beat around the uh, Tenbrook mansion. And sure enough, they look up at the window and they saw the smoky figure of the woman in white and those police officers ran, (laughs) ran out of the gardens and they said, we don't care what call we get to that mansion, we are not going back. Same thing. Yeah. Wow, so um, it used to be a funeral home, uh-huh. a funeral parlor? Yeah, interesting. I never knew it that. It was. So um, i trying to remember if anything actually happened there. Everyone kind of had partial stories, like maybe there was this. Like there were kind of weird things, but nothing that you could say, yeah, that's definitely something, except mm-hmm. for that one story. I mean, At 3 a.m. 
Intuitively, it makes sense that a, funeral, a former funeral yeah. parlor yeah. would have some kind of, you know, something around it. But, yeah, I mean... Although we do find, you know, people with cemeteries. So they say, you know, and that's the big thing, where at midnight you want to go, or 3 a.m. to the cemetery, and then people find that they're kind of disappointed. That they're not, dead. And we would, yeah, they're good. Like, we'd bring people into Graceland Cemetery, and they were with, that's where they thought everything would happen, and... No, not really. And we say, well, yeah, why would you, in your afterlife, want to haunt your grave? You know, you, <laughs> yeah. you want to be in your home, someplace where you're happy and comfortable. Uh, so that's always sort of an interesting thing. And I always try to demystify cemeteries because uh, usually our modern day cemeteries like St. Agnes and Albany Rural you get the Rolling Hills, Oakwood Cemetery, and the Victorian ideal was that cemeteries were parks. They were public parks. They weren't ever meant to be scary. In fact, people on Sunday, you know, you'd go to church and you'd get a picnic with grandma even though grandma's been buried for how many years? Uh, Take a picture with her too if you really want to. Take a picture before you buried her. Uh, so that's one of my things. I always try to demystify cemeteries. And you do find, like, if you really take away the stones and whatnot, Albany Rural people are jogging. You're, yeah. You know, photographers are there. Artists are there. So that's one there's thing. There's a lot of history there, too, And there's right? a lot of history, incredible history. So don't be scared of cemeteries. Everyone should go. And, well, yeah, just Chester, just, Chester Arthur is just buried. Just not at 3 in, in the morning. Rural. Don't go to a cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always, I always think it was interesting. But don't trespass. <laughs> don't trespass. I, I, last year, I think um, a tree fell over um, Uncle Sam's grave in Oakwood Cemetery in Troy, and it, to- the tree split over the top of the grave. Like the wow. grave did not, somehow it didn't destroy the actual stone of the grave. It, it, it managed to just. Huh. I think it broke over the top of the grave. So now, maybe those. Is Oakland the one that's oh. near the portal? Uh, no, no. Okay. Oakwood Cemetery is like uh, down Oakwood Avenue near St. Mary's Hospital. Yeah. The portal. Yeah. Did you Did you know this? That the portal to hell is one of them is in Troy. Yeah. Um, it's and the true. only reason we haven't investigated it is because technically we would be trespassing. That's correct. If we tried to investigate it. That's so. right. That's right. We haven't investigated it. Yeah. Um, no, we've never gone into no, it. No. No. Never. Can't describe never. it with precise detail. No. Or never. Or have pictures. <laughs> um, but um, there is there is a, a cemetery. Um, if you're going out. Uh, Pinewoods Avenue from from like uh, um, Pauling Avenue towards Brunswick just before you get to the Brunswick town line near the Troy Country Club on the left hand side there's a cemetery uh, and it is said that inside that cemetery is one of the portals to hell um, it's there's a, a statue in the very back of the cemetery the, the cemetery is actually kind of interesting the front part it's got this beautiful gate a big old build a, a big building there's I think there might even be a mausoleum and then there's a long path up a hill to a second part of the cemetery set back from the road a little bit um, and there's a, a, a statue in there of an angel and she's missing her head and uh, there's a it, a red moss that grows from the neck of that that statue, and even when they clean it off, it still comes back. So it's said that the angel is actually bleeding from the neck. Which that's a re- what's that? What's Doctor Doctor, Doctor Who? Who? The yep, the weeping oh, the angel. angel. Yep. Yeah, she yep. weeps from her neck. She weeps from her neck. Don't yeah. blink. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that uh, so it is said, and, and people I, I've had friends that have gone. Terry um, <laughs> uh, has gone into that cemetery when she was a kid, and she said it just doesn't feel right. And you know, people report uh, getting scratches on their arms when they come out of that cemetery. And um, you sure it's not just because they were walking through the woods? That's right? true. That's true. 
But yeah. You, oh, I just wanted to say about the Pinewood Cemetery. Yeah. Um, they do open it up once. Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. We're just before, right around Halloween, actually, so the Pinewood Brunswick Historical yeah. Society. When the veil is thinnest. Veil That's is right. <laughs> and I believe you can call ahead of time yeah. as well. So you you can call the town yeah. historian, and then you can make arrangements. Ah, okay. But it's yeah. called the For- Forest Park Cemetery. I think it's its, actu- yeah. is its yeah. official name. Um, and the one day that Babe and I decided to go looking for it, of course, the person across the street the entire time was using a chainsaw. So yeah. we're walking around the, the road, and we're like, what's that sound? I might have <laughs> almost face-planted into shrubbery, and that's where my scratches came from. Thanks for listening. We wanted to especially thank Maeve McEnany and Paul Nooney of the original Albany Ghost Tour for joining us for the live event, and Mark Graydon from the Old English Pub for providing this space and his own story. And of course, all of you who listen and those who came out for the event. We're hoping to do a few more in the future, so stay tuned. If you missed part one, go back and give it a shot. While you are there, feel free to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. We have more episodes to come, including a bit from the Culinary Institute of America. And as we're down here talking like I'm talking to you, we heard the door slam. And we thought, okay, so the door closed, but that's okay. When we get up, up we'll just open the door and, and get out. But when it came time to, to get out, turn the handle, and the handle turned, but it didn't catch. So there was no way to open the door, and we were trapped here. And uh, with the one person who had the key, was trapped here with us. How did you get out? So we didn't. We died. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually had, people had to come and take the door off to get us out. We say as this podcast never airs. <laughs> Um, well, so, <laughs> so, so, you know, the, the question is, was that a, a, a coincidence or was that Father Murphy playing a little game on not only me, but on the, on the crew?